0: You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you that your kingdom reigns and rules is marked by truth and justice and love and mercy. And so we pray, Lord, that uh, in this moment you would move by the power of your Spirit. Would you enlarge our heart and open our eyes that we may see Jesus, our reigning, ruling, returning King. We thank you for this church. We thank you for... Christians across this nation and around the globe who will gather this day to celebrate Jesus. We pray that he would be central, we pray that he'd be lifted on high, we pray this for our good and indeed your glory, it's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray and all of God's people said with one super loud voice, good to see you City on a hill, why don't you take a seat? Yeah, let's give a hand for the band. Thank them. (laughs) It is uh, so wonderful to be with you. If you are new or visiting, my name is Guy. Joy and privilege as always to serve as the senior pastor. No, strike that. Controversial pastor (laughs) of City on a Hill, (laughs) a church united around the mission and vision uh, of knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. I'm thankful uh, to be here. Uh, There's been a lot of travel this week, uh, a lot of phone calls, a lot of messages. Uh, I'm so very thankful uh, to be here. So very thankful uh, for this church, uh, this church that we get to be part of, uh, this church that Jesus loves, uh, this church that I love. I love you guys very much uh, and so very thankful for you. Uh, It's been a big week. Uh, This time last week... Uh, I was actually with uh, Andrew Thorburn, and he came up to me and shared the good news uh, that he had been offered the role and accepted the role as the CEO of the Essendon Football Club. It was a time of celebration. We hugged, we embraced. Uh, It was a time of joy. Uh, Tuesday, uh, I was at his home. Uh, with him and the members of his family and Luke who's one of the pastors at uh, our church at Melbourne West and uh, we were there uh, and with much sorrow and sadness as uh, he shared and sent out his letter of resignation. Uh, in his own words Andrew said this, yesterday was one of the proudest days of my life To be offered the role of CEO of the Essendon Football Club, who I followed since I was a boy, was a profound honour. At last night's Crichton medal, I could hardly contain my passion and wonder at the opportunity. However, today it became clear to me that my personal Christian faith is not tolerated or permitted in the public square, at least by some or perhaps by many. I was being required to compromise beyond a level that my conscience allowed. People should be able to hold different views on complex personal and moral matters, and be able to live and work together, even with those differences, and always with respect. Behaviour is the key. This is all an important part of a tolerant and diverse society. Let me be clear. I love all people, and have always promoted and lived an inclusive, diverse, respectful, and supportive workplace, where people are welcome regardless of their culture, religious beliefs, and sexual orientation. I believe my record over a long period of time testifies to this despite my own leadership record within hours of my appointment being announced the media and leaders of the community had spoken they'd made it clear that my christian faith and my association with the church are unacceptable in a culture if you wish to hold a leadership position in society Uh, i've been asked many times um, how i feel about that and uh there are a lot of different emotions uh, that I've experienced. Uh, one emotion is sadness and sorrow. Uh, I've known uh, Andrew for many years now, um, and he has been a great friend. He is a man of incredible wisdom and warmth. Uh, he's incredibly down to earth, uh, incredibly wise, uh, generous, Uh, He's a man of integrity. And I also think it's sad uh, to put somebody in a position where they are asked to choose between their faith and their job. Uh, And I'm saddened that we are uh, living in a time where you could be cancelled because of your faith. To be cancelled because of your faith is a dangerous idea. And so there is this real sense of sadness and lament that perhaps you have felt this week. Uh, I'm also thankful. I'm thankful for Andrew and his courage and his conviction. You know, when we, uh, by God's grace, this church was planted almost 15 years ago and then We call this church City on a Hill and we talk a lot about City on a Hill and shining and standing for Jesus. We talk a lot about that. I find great thanks when people stand for that. When they remain true to their conviction. That is very unexpected in this changing world. In fact, uh, you may have read that um, when the head of the Purple Bombers, which is the Essendon's Pride group, heard that Andrew thorburn had chosen to remain on the board of city on a hill jason who's the founder of that group said and andrew made the correct decision for himself and the football club but i did not expect him to choose the church people were surprised that he put his faith ahead of his career Uh, of course as many of you know the media made links to our church And uh, after a journalist found some quotes from a few sermons, uh, we were front page news. The quotes in question uh, were from a sermon by myself on the topic of pro-life. The other was by our own Andrew Judd uh, on the topic of homosexuality. Uh, These quotes made for some great headlines and uh, the Premier decided to double down. In a live press uh, press conference, our premier says, those views are absolutely appalling. I don't support those views, that kind of intolerance, that kind of hatred, bigotry, it is just wrong. I've had a few nice things said about me over the years. Uh, After all, I am a pastor uh, and a Melbourne supporter. But that one's going straight to the pool room. As you may expect, um, the words of the Premier uh, ignited a media firestorm. Uh, radio, Radio stations, reporters reaching out. Uh, television uh, crews were at our office. Uh, Vanessa, my wife, was called by Current Affairs. Uh, At one point, I was told, I was actually landed in Brisbane, and I was told that Channel 9 News are there waiting to see you. We had invitations from The Project, ABC. uh, Anywhere and everywhere, we're calling and eager to engage. Um, I was asked by Neil Mitchell, and uh, I'm not sure if you caught the interview I did on 3AW, Uh, I was asked how I felt about Dan's words. Was I offended? Uh, And I said, no, uh, I wasn't offended. I was disappointed. I was disappointed. Uh, The premier of our state uh, has a right to uh, express his views and his opinion, uh, but I don't think his words were particularly helpful or wise. Uh, I think we need leaders Particularly at this moment in history, we need leaders who can model true diversity. Leaders who can take time to get to know people, to enter in, to understand, and to work for social harmony. I was born and raised in this city. I love Melbourne. I love this city. I love that we are a multinational, multicultural city. And I long that diversity wouldn't just be a catchphrase, but something that we together pursue. I love that Melbourne is multicultural. I love that our church and the church is multicultural and the doors are wide open and the gospel says, come. I want to be uh, clear and say, as I have said throughout this week, that the particular reference to the Holocaust was unhelpful. I didn't intend it to be inflammatory. I was wrong. I am sorry. Ten years on, I would use different words. The essence of that particular message was that Jesus is for life. As believers, we hold to the view that all life is sacred, that Jesus is the author of life, he is for life, and that life begins at conception, and that all life is valuable because all people, men and women, old and young, are made in the image and likeness of God. We all have his signature. We are his work. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And it is therefore our calling and conviction as a church to declare life for all, This means that we want to extend the hand of compassion and love and life to mothers as they grapple with pregnancy, as they grapple with changing circumstances, as they grapple with difficulty in this world. We want to extend that life and love and we want to be a voice for the vulnerable. We are committed city on a hill, to being a church all about life. And that's not just our conviction. We are an Anglican church. And our views as a Bible-believing church are consistent with the Anglican church. In fact, any Abrahamic religion (laughs) would hold and champion life for all. I also want to say that despite the labeling of our premier... We are not homophobic. We do not hate people. We love all people as God has loved us. We are a Bible-believing church. So this means that we see marriage as a gift from God that he gave us to be enjoyed between one man and one woman in the covenant of marriage. That's God's gift to us. That's a biblical conviction that Jesus himself testified to. We hold that conviction. And we hold that conviction alongside Jesus' teaching to love one another. In fact, the story of the Good Samaritan is a story to remind us all that we are to cross the road to extend the hand of compassion, to love those who are perhaps different to us, who have different views to us. It is true that sometimes the church can focus so sharply on the conviction that it misses the compassion. And there are times that churches can focus so much on the compassion that it misses the conviction. Here at City on a Hill, as you've heard me say before, we are a church that wants to hold Christ-like conviction and Christ-like compassion. This is who we are. This means, City on a Hill, we will continue to preach the Bible and we will continue to welcome all. Jesus did not come to condemn this world. He came to save this world. I want to thank you for the love and support. Uh, I have received an overwhelming number of messages and Facebook messages and Instagram messages and calls of people, Christians near and far, non-Christians reaching out. To share a word of thanks and encouragement. I've received messages near and far of people indicating that they're with us and they're praying. One special message I got said 36 Aussies stood in prayer for you tonight at the Sea of Galilee in Israel. (laughs) Praise God. I want you to know that I'm hopeful. There are times where it feels like the church can be divided. This is not one of those times. I have received message after message from different pastors, different Christians, different churches. A young bloke just stopped me on the road on the way uh, walking up here today just to say thank you. The church is united. The church is together. The Australian church, it stands as one. What a great blessing that is. And as Christians, and as we've sung today, we are reminded that God holds all things in his hands. God can and God will use this for his good. How will he use this? May the Lord spark revival. I love this. uh, There's been a lot of press, but I love this little letter to the editor or note to the editor in the Australian. This was from Ross MacDonald. I'm so incensed by the attacks on Christianity, by our irrelevant sporting clubs and in our politicians, I'm seriously thinking about becoming a Christian again. (laughs) Revival's coming, guys. (laughs) I also want to affirm a foundational principle that Christians have sought to champion. And that is the value and principle of free speech. Uh, <laughs> Anthony uh, Seagard, I believe is his surname, he's an Anglican himself, uh, writing for The Age, said, I've lost faith that Australians know how to discuss religion. He says this, note these words... I love breakfast television as much as the next person, but I found myself confused when TV's modern-day Messiah told the pastor of City on a Hill, the church at the centre of the Andrew Thorburn Essendon Saga, that he and the 2.18 billion other followers of the Bible should simply keep up with the times. He says, across the country, we have been watching this week's chaos unfold and wondering, could I be next? Next. It sounds absurd when you say it out loud, but the discomfort in religious communities is palpable. Our own uh, Stephanie Judd, uh, one of our leaders, said, I'm grateful for this cultural moment and the conversation it opened up. If we call ourselves a truly secular and democratic society, then we have to work out how to achieve that. We have to somehow find a way of allowing for varying religious and personal beliefs to be held by individuals whilst living together harmoniously. I understand this is not no easy feat. A diverse culture means that there will be diverse frameworks of identity, of meaning and of purpose which are drawn upon to inform our ethical decisions as we live together. I would love to imagine, however, that we could lean into the possibility of hurt or offence to listen to one another, to create space for understanding views that we may not agree with, but all the while to treat one another with dignity and respect." In the past 15 years, uh, we have sought to have our Bibles open and speak into the cultural matters. The church should engage the public square and to consider the ideas that are shaping our world. In fact, in the last eight weeks, we've been doing this little series called Left and Right, Jesus in a Political Age. And you have heard me speak into topics such as race relations. We've heard messages about climate change and refugees. It was planned for me to speak today, would you believe it, on the topic, pro-life versus pro-choice. Based on media reports, I think it's fair to say that most people in our country have now heard my sermon from 2013 (laughs) on that topic. These topics are important. And uh, as a church, we will continue to engage the big issues that face our day. Uh, but over the, the last couple of days, and particularly yesterday, I felt, I felt God calling me, calling us to not lose sight of what is at the heartbeat of our church. At the heart of our church is a passion is a love, is a calling to know Jesus and to make Jesus known. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the world, I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what i also received that christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and then he appeared to Cephas, then to 12 then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time most of whom are still alive though some have fallen asleep then he appeared to james then to all the apostles (laughs) who is this jesus That's the real question. That's the question everybody needs to ask. Who is this Jesus? The Bible reveals Jesus as the Christ. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I thought Christ was a swear word. Then I thought it was Jesus' second name. Christ reveals that he is the anointed one, God's king, God's redeemer, the one promised to enter into this world, the one God sent to make all things new. Jesus is no ordinary man. He's not merely a good man. Far more than even a godly man. He is the great God man. Jesus is Christ. And Paul says that Christ died. The one of infinite glory and power who reigned in heaven with infinite authority and glory and worship. And wealth and power came to this world and took on flesh. And in coming to this world, he entered into our mess and entered into our muck. God's son became vulnerable, he knows what it was like to grow weary. He knows what it's like to thirst. Jesus knows what it's like to feel on the outside. Jesus knows what it's like to be misunderstood. Jesus knows what it's like to be rejected. Jesus knows what it's like to bleed. And ultimately, Jesus knows what it's like to suffer and die. Jesus, Christ, died. You say, why did he die? The Bible says Christ died for our sins. Notice how inclusive, all encompassing that is. He didn't just die for that person's sin or that person's sin or this group's sin. No, the message of the Bible is that Jesus died for our sins. Now, it's worth just pausing a moment to consider what actually is sin? Because we've heard that word thrown around in headlines and in the media all week without little explanation. So you might be wondering, what is sin? Well... (laughs) In our culture, we often think of sin as a breaking of rules. But actually, it's it's far more than that. Uh, At its heart, sin is a rejection of God Himself. It is a disposition of the heart to say, I will live my way. I will do life my own way. I will act and behave as if God doesn't exist. And what the Bible reveals is that that sin separates us from God, leaving this God-shaped hole on our heart that we are now perpetually running after and trying to fill. I was tucking in my um, six-year-old daughter to bed last night, and uh, we... (laughs) We're reminded, sung over that great uh, childhood song, There's a Hole in My Bucket. Do you remember this song? Uh, I think we've got the lyrics on the screen. There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, a hole. Well, fix it, dear Henry, dear Henry. Well, fix it, dear Henry. Dear Henry, fix it. With what shall I fix it, dear Liza, dear Liza? With what shall I fix it, dear Liza? With what? With a straw. Dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry, with a straw. It goes on and on. Dear Henry. The straw is too long. Dear Liza, dear Liza, the straw is too long. Well cut it, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry. Cut it, dear Henry, dear Henry, cut it. It goes on and on and on. To cut the straw, Henry needs an ax but the ax is too blunt, so she says get a stone but the stone is too dry, so she says, then wet it, dear Henry, then wet it. With what? With water you moron, with water. Well, what do I fetch the water with? (laughs) With a bucket, dear Henry, with a bucket. Which leads to the final chorus. There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. Now, you know what this sweet lullaby is all about. It's about (laughs) sin. The Bible reveals that you were made by a good God who intends us to be whole. Full of God's life, overwhelming, uh, overflowing, I should say, with God's love. And yet in sin, which is our rejection of him, we fractured God's good design. And this not only defames your creator, but as Blaise Pascal famously said, we now have a God-shaped hole in our heart and that leaves us empty. Empty. And the big problem of sin is not only that we are running dry, but that we are constantly trying to fill and fix our heart with something the world can't satisfy. You go to university believing that if I just get the right grades, get that internship, get that job, then I will be whole, then I'll be satisfied. And you try really hard to get those grades, maybe to please your parent, but you realize that no matter how hard you run, it's never quite enough. And then maybe you get that job and you think, well, maybe it wasn't my study, it had to be my career. If I just work really hard up the chain, up the ladder, and work incredibly hard, that will be the answer. That will fix. But then you get to the top of your game and you realize that that doesn't satisfy either. Maybe I'm, I'm made for something else. Then someone says, well, maybe you should go to church. And that's good. Except when you heard that, you heard, oh, I need to be a good person. So I need to try really, really hard and volunteer and stop doing this and stop doing that, thinking that religion can save me. And yet even that you felt run dry. Even that you were running on this treadmill. It wasn't satisfying the the heart longing that you have. And then maybe you went along to a movie theater to see a movie. Something romantic like La La Land or uh, Top Gun. And you watched on the big screen the, the love and you thought, that's what I need. I need a boyfriend. I need a girlfriend. I need marriage. I need someone to complete me. Right, And we could just go on and on all through the different idols of this world and all the things that are beckoning for our affection and crying for our adoration. But the truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus, the reason Jesus is good news of great joy is because he dies for our sin, reconciles us to God. In a word, in Jesus, we can be brought home. We can be made whole. You remember what Jesus said to the, to the woman at the well? Here is a woman who, who, who had been grappling with uh, broken relationships, and she was running dry, and she's thirsting after meaning. And Jesus says, drink from my water, uh, drink from my life, drink from my water, and you will be satisfied. Jesus entered this world to meet our deepest need. And for us to be made whole, he had to be broken. For us to be filled up, he had to be poured out. For you to know life today, true eternal life, he had to give himself into death. Paul says, Christ died for our sins. But that is not the end of the story. He goes on to say, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day. Christians, the church, we testify that Jesus didn't remain in the grave. The most controversial thing we believe is that Jesus defeated death and rose. Not merely spiritually, but historically and physically and publicly. That's the essence of the gospel. That's what makes Christianity so outrageous. That's what was always on the lips of the disciples, the apostles and every Christian since. That's why Paul himself says this is good news. Why is it good news? Because Death will not have the final word for those who are in Christ Jesus. Sin will not have the final word for those who are in Christ Jesus. Shame will not have the final word for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you put your faith in Jesus today, there is promise that in him you'll have new life. A life that begins now. A life that will be with you and for you. A life that will reign supreme for all eternity. I wasn't raised a Christian. I wasn't raised going to church. I never read the Bible as a kid, as a teenager. I threw myself at this world trying to make meaning of it. My parents separated when I was young. Uh, My dad himself in the media industry, very successful, yet very much drawn into a life of alcohol and drugs. We got to meet incredible celebrities and musicians, and yet in the midst of all of that, there was an emptiness of the heart and a longing for meaning. My older brother lived on the streets part of gangs, and here I am enjoying my life in Melbourne at the same time. Big questions about who we are, why we exist, where did this world come from, is there a God, what is the ultimate purpose, and perhaps you've wrestled with those questions. The age of 15, I was gifted with a Bible, and in opening up the Bible, and in reading about Jesus... I encountered truth. Not just an intellectual or historical or philosophical truth, but a truth of the heart. In Jesus, we encounter one of compassion. One of love. One who died on a cross for my sin. I had been running my own race. I had been looking after things and running after things that were not of God. And yet the good news of the gospel said, in Jesus I have paid the price in full. The good news of the gospel says Jesus is alive. The good news of the gospel says come, receive my forgiveness, walk in my life. And I just want to put that word there for those of us who are perhaps exploring the Christian faith. Keep exploring. Maybe today could be a day that you pray for the very first time and say, God, if you're there, could you help me know you? That's a dangerous prayer. Maybe you want to grab one of our Bibles. Christians love to give away Bibles. (laughs) Maybe you might want to take a moment just to see for yourself to read about all the various men and women throughout time and history who make this outrageous claim that Jesus is Lord and how it's tra- changed their life in this room today. Hundreds you can talk to who've been changed by Jesus, who love Jesus. We're different. We support different footy clubs. We work in different places. Some are single. Some are married. But Jesus has captured our hearts. encourage you to explore Jesus and as you explore and this is a reminder to Christians know that in following Jesus this good news does come with a cost Um, there's a cost in following Jesus there's a cost in shining the light when I was uh, with uh, Andrew uh, on Tuesday just before he uh, released his Statement. Uh, we took time to pray together. And as we were praying, I was reminded of these words of Jesus from Matthew Matthew 5. <clears throat> Let me read it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you god won't let you go god is faithful god will be your strength your joy your hope and it is this god Made known to us in Christ Jesus, who not only understands the trials and temptations we all face, but has a mission and purpose for us right now. Do you know what Jesus said next? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a standard it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Uh, I've had thousands of messages this week and uh, messages of encouragement, uh, cheering us on, encouraging us to make a stand for the gospel encouraging us that God is at work and that we are a city on a hill. Uh, This week, I uh, received a a short email from Mel Brown, who's on our staff team. Uh, Mel is on our team that works with Many Rooms. Uh, Many Rooms is one of our ministries that seeks to serve the homeless in our city, Uh, opens doors on Friday nights and Saturdays to the homeless, uh, offering warm meals and friendship. And through the year, they run uh, uh, care packs and hundreds and thousands of care packs seeking to serve men and women who are doing life rough on the streets. And Mel has a particular role uh, in a ministry called The Living Room, uh, which provides friendship and companionship to those isolated and vulnerable uh, elderly Australians. Uh, And I wanted to share one story as the band comes up and we prepare to sing. Uh, Ron, one of the volunteers, has been visiting a man, uh, a man we'll call Derek. Ron says this. Derek is a recipient under the living room program that I've been seeing for the last six months. He's in his late 70s, lives with severe depression and is lonely. He tragically lost his wife six years ago in a serious illness bungled, according to him, by the health system. Initially, our meetings weren't easy as he vents his frustration and anger at the health and legal system that allowed his wife to deteriorate and pass away. Ron says, I always start by just asking him open questions and how he felt last week and what his plans for next week allow him to talk about his mind and his heart. Gradually, Derek began to ease off. Our conversations shifted more to his family, his two sons and grandkids. I began to ask his permission to pray for him. Later on, I started reading verses to encourage him and even referred him to Christian podcasts. Recently, my prayers would include praying to Jesus to send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, quoting Psalms of David, at times almost praying to surrender to God all his burdens and hurts and to look to him for hope. This has now become the norm. The friendship is evolving, and he dreads the hour together coming to an end and will always walk me to my car, continuing the conversation. I now feel almost a part of his family. And then this week, Mel sends us this message. Ron, one of our living room volunteers, led his elderly friend Derek to faith today. Praise God. With all that has been going on this week, may it be a a beautiful reminder that God is at work in the chaos. Praise God. We are thankful for Jesus, for his love and his life. And the light and the many stories, this is one story of many stories across this church. I think of the many men and women in our gospel communities who come together grappling with God's word and how they can serve the world. I think of our many volunteers in youth ministry and children's ministry, providing support and encouragement to families and the next generation. I think of each of you in your workplace, in the university, perhaps even in your own family, shining the light of Christ. I think of the hundreds of people over the years of all different walks of life who've come to know the beauty, the truth, and the relevance of Jesus. City on a hill, let's continue to love Jesus Let's continue to shine for him. Let's continue to serve our world with humility, courage, and sacrifice. Let's continue to worship God, knowing that he is good and his grace abounds. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.